What up? What up? What up? Rec League Podcast, man. Episode number five. Y'all surprised that I got this far, man? So am I. It's F-I-F-5th. If y'all uh, watched the Pell Show back in the day, you know exactly what that reference is. Um, Today, on this episode... We got quite a bit to talk about, man. I um I'm gonna touch on some stories that I talked about last time. You know, it's been some follow up. Um I got one of my boys coming in. He gonna talk about the uh the upcoming major league baseball playoffs. He gonna talk about the upcoming NHL season two sports, which I have no knowledge in. So that's what I do. I bring in guys that know about stuff that I don't like I did with my dog Orlando in college football. Um, Iron Fist Season 2 recap. And then you'll hear me say that we about to go to, to my guy Nappy Newt. Wires got crossed. A little bit of miscommunication in there. And we gonna, we going to bring him in down the road. It happens. You know, plans get made. Last minute things come up. And it's just not going down in this episode. And then old man Lawrence, rec league regular, he coming in and we gonna break down that uh that Bun B album, Return of the Trill. Uh but right quick, let's uh let's go into some of the poll questions that I ran on the Twitter over the past couple weeks in reference to um a simple favor I put on the Twitter. Um Rec League excuse me, I misspoke. It happens. A Simple Favor, directed by Paul Feig, comes out this weekend. Which of his movies happen to be your favorite? Of course, the choices were Bridesmaids, The Heat, Spy, Ghostbusters. At 44%, Bridesmaids took that one. Spy came in at uh, 33%. And uh, maybe a little shocking to some people, Ghostbusters was third, not last, with 12%. The Heat is slept on apparently because that one got 11 another poll question referencing the predator same 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 thing predator comes out directed by shane black which shane black shane black directed movie is your favorite kiss kiss bang bang iron man 3 the nice guys are your choices the nice guys won that with 59 percent. the nice guys is real dope iron man 3 which I would have put last, got 33%. And then apparently y'all need to go watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because that movie's hilarious. It's got action. It's got dope acting. But it only got 8% on the Rec League poll. Uh, that was from two weeks ago, the weekend after the last episode. This uh, this past weekend, I ran... Uh, I ran I ran the poll... In regards to the house with the clock in the walls, it come out directed by Eli Roth. The exact same title. Like these are the gonna be the majority. These are predominantly gonna be the poll questions I run, having to do with directors or a series of movies or something. But uh, Eli Roth directed House with the Clock in the Walls. What's your favorite Eli Roth movie? And he directed more movies than than available. You know what I mean? So the choices were Cabin Fever, the original. Hostel, the first one, Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves, and then Death Wish that could just come out this past March. But then Hostel Part 2 and The Green Inferno are movies he also directed. I didn't get any comments, but Hostel won with 
uh, Cabin Fever and Knock Knock both tied with 17. And then Death Wish got 16. And then I switched it up. Because it was, it was some craziness in the NFL last weekend, if, y- if y'all was watching. First, Vontae Davis just retired at halftime. It's funny because he wasn't on my team. But if he would have still been on the Colts, I would have been salty. And then um, I, uh, if y'all seen Ryan Fitzpatrick in, in his wild uh, post-game news conference attire, he, he, just, he just built upon his legend. And I asked, which is more legendary, Vontae Davis retiring at halftime or Ryan Fitzpatrick in his post-game attire? And I put, or both equally or neither. You know, Vontae Davis, Ryan Fitzpatrick, both, neither are the choices. Ryan Fitzpatrick won that with 46%. Vontae Davis got 31. 20% went both because they're both hysterically legendary. And then 3% of y'all are just haters. Um, so that's it for the poll questions. And... um. Just right quick before I jump into the movie segment, before we bring in legacy and all of that, I want to I want to express my thanks. You know what I mean? Because this was a risk. Like I built this show up for a year, talking to my boys, spitballing ideas, trying to get a name, trying to get a, a format, exactly how to do everything. And if you listening on the, on the audio only, huge thank you. If you watching on YouTube, huge thank you. Uh, shout out to. Um, one of one of the rec league fans, one of my old friends, high school friends on Facebook. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to name drop any non guests because I don't know the comfortability level. I don't even know if com- comfortability is a word, but the comfortability level of somebody who isn't voluntarily being on the show. But just know that that Facebook post a few days ago made my day. I can't express how much I appreciate all of that, and um. When I get back, we're going to be talking about a little bit of movie headlines. Yo, uh, like I said, man, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, movie headlines, movie topics a little bit. I'm going to skim over a few things right quick before Legacy comes in and we talk about Iron Fist Season 2. So what I like to do, what I know I've said in past episodes I forgot, so I have made little notes for myself Newly released movies, whether it's in a theater, whether it's at your local department store shelf. Um, In the theaters, since my last episode, The Predator come out, A Simple Favor come out, White Boy Rick come out. And this past weekend, The House with the Clock on the Walls came out. The House with the Clock in the Walls came out, should I say. And um, it's kind of all over the place as far as quality. I watched White Boy Rick. I really enjoy those crew tri- crew crime stories. I re- I really enjoy those true crime stories, man. Um the dude who plays Rick, his name is Richie Merritt. He knocks it out of the park. Um and it's like it's not like necessarily like some Scarface American gangster type stuff, but those are movies that keep me invested. So I think when the common folk 
who like maybe rarely see movies. I'm like it's it's just the type of movie that a lot of people would be like, oh, it drags, it gets boring, it's dull in places. I disagree. I found even the slower parts of the movie interesting based on what was going on. Um, Matthew McConaughey could easily, easily, I think it comes out too early in the year to get noticed or recognized, but Matthew McConaughey could easily snag a Best Supporting Oscar nomination, and I don't feel like I'm overreaching with that. I think a lot of people might, though. Um, And then The Predator... The predator, the predator can be fun. It has so many flaws that it it doesn't come close to reaching the levels of the original. Shane Black was on set, acted in that, co-wrote and directed the new one. I think there are some predator, like I don't think there's enough predator action one, and I think that. There's too much humor. The humor is a little hit, a lot of miss. But I didn't dislike the movie. I I think it's better than Predator 2 and the AVP movies. But so, like, it's a middle-of-the-pack Predator movie for the franchise. I don't think it's better than Predators or Predator. And then um, A Simple Favor is one of the biggest surprises of the year to me. Uh, I think Anna Kendrick killed it. I think Blake Lively killed it. I think it's uh, each of their better performances, maybe their best performance. I think it's my favorite Paul Feig movie. You know, uh, Bridesmaid Stand might might take, you know, a little bit of offense with that. But it's just, it's, you know, it's it's a serious movie with humor in the right places. And... I really enjoyed it start to finish. Um, All three of those movies, I have reviews on my personal YouTube channel. Go ahead, look for those. I I didn't feel like going to the movies this weekend, so I did not see the house with the clock in its walls. I want to, but I'll probably just blind buy the Blu-ray. Honestly, it looks like a better Goosebumps 2 than Goosebumps 2. And, um... Next weekend, just to, just a preview to close out September. Night School comes out with Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish, and I and I, when when I uh when I talked about the fall preview, I said Malcolm D. Lee comes with these comedies that look funny, and then I sleep on them, and then I end up regretting sleeping on them because I end up seeing them and and laughing, so I end up enjoying them. And uh, Smallfoot comes out, the new Warner Animation Group release. Something else comes out, like like Hellfest comes out that looks... I don't know, there's something about it. I just feel like I won't like it. It looked like they're trying to piggyback off the Happy Death Day. Let's take this one thing and put a horror spin on it. But I don't know, that's one. Maybe I'll sleep on that and eventually like it if I see it. Um, that's it theatrically. On Blu-ray last week, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom come out. One, one of my, like lesser favorite movies of the summer i was just disappointed in in the product i don't dislike the movie it's not a bad movie but i was disappointed like i i guess i expected more i think um i bought supergirl season three as well that came out next week solo a star wars story comes out uncle drew comes out which is one of the bigger surprises to me of the summer 
uh, it was just funny seeing all the NBA players interact and, and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is that character. Uh, Lil Rail Howery gets a movie where he can shine and where he's the lead. And then um, um, I'm blanking. Legends of Tomorrow, the the last CWDC show comes out. And then next week, the first Purge and Sicario Day of the Soldado comes out. I'm excited to add both of those to my collection. Uh, so that's it for that's it for for movies in theaters and on Blu-ray. And I just want to follow up on a couple topics. Not much happened as far as topics that like was new. You know what I mean? I want to touch on this Henry Cavill Superman news that like I posted my show like Monday Tuesday. And then this news come out like Tuesday, Wednesday. So it just missed the last episode. Um, it's, it's rumors and whatnot that Warner Brothers is looking for a replacement for Superman. From the news that I've seen, from the headlines that I've seen, Warner Brothers told Henry Cavill, we have no plans to put Superman in a movie anytime soon. So why would they look for a replacement? It makes literally no sense. Henry Cavill said, okay, cool, I'm going to step away. And that doesn't mean that in 2022, hey, we're going to put Superman in this. He won't come back. Like It's not out of the realm of possibility. My thing is, put Superman in, you know put Superman in a cameo at the end of the Shazam movie like why not it would just be it would be a cool little easter egg it would be a cool little surprise moment and i just i want all these all these stupid fan pages to stop trying to to instigate a rumor Warner Brothers is eyeing so and so to be the new superman like no they're not stop like just no they're not uh keeping keeping it DC there has been a lot of Joaquin Phoenix Joker news over the past few days. First, I think the cast was announced. Todd Phillips, director of Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, The Hangover Trilogy, War Dogs. He's directing. I'm pretty sure Martin Scorsese's producing. I don't know if that was confirmed or not. Joaquin Phoenix is playing a dude named Arthur Fleck. Kevin Smith brought to everybody's attention on Twitter. His first initial is A, and his last name is Fleck, A Fleck, Affleck. So that 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 is funny. I think that's very funny. And he's like a down on his luck comedian in the '80s who I guess snaps, takes up a life of crime, and that there was that video that come out that I posted. I think I shared it on all the Reg League social medias in one way or another. It's just like it's like a zoom in on his face, a slow zoom in on his face with like flashes of him in clown makeup. And eventually you see him just with a deadpan face with not traditional looking Joker makeup, but it's still Joker makeup. And then he smiles and I don't, he, he looks like he looks like a yuppie that just go, goes bad, I guess. He just looks like a schmuck who just. I don't know, failed at life and then snaps and then like leaked paparazzi video come out of him like on a train and like that looks cool. Uh, Zay Z Beats is in the movie. Uh, Robert Robert De Niro is in the movie. 
I brain farted for like a split second. And the follow up, this is a follow up on the Alec Baldwin topic from a couple from last episode. Brett Cullen, who I don't, I'm not too familiar with his work, but he was in The Shallows as Blake Lively's dad. He's gonna be Thomas Wayne in this movie. Like I said last time, I think a Wayne in this movie is pointless. You can have a Joker movie without him interacting with a Wayne because he's not going to interact with Batman, so why interact with Wayne? Um, but I don't like. I was skeptical. I still am a little skeptical. But like seeing Joaquin Phoenix in the makeup in a Joker-like suit does build my anticipation. Um, transitioning to another. Uh, topic man the the captain marvel trailer came out and while i think it's fun while i think brie larson has established herself as a new hero for young girls to idolize and a new crush for for all the comic book geeks out there the trailer is good it didn't like like when that first black panther trailer come out i was excited like i was like man like let me see this movie right now when the first Infinity War trailer come out, let me see this movie right now. I don't remember how I felt about Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But like I said, I enjoyed the Captain Marvel trailer. It's dope. The first teaser poster is dope. It didn't do anything to build my hype. And like Marvel has always been able to build my hype. Hopefully future trailers can do it. Um, Bond, uh, Danny Boyle bailed on bond 25 they got carrie fukunagua to do bond 25 i think that is that is a ballsy risky great choice for director instead of coming out next november it now comes out february valentine's day 2020 um if you've seen the first season of true detective you know you know what Kerry Fukunaga brings to the table. I'm I'm still a little bitter we didn't get to see his vision of it, but I also like it was one of my favorite movies last year, so I'm not that bitter. Um is it man, it's dope, man. And uh in the um spirits of Marvel on Netflix, we about to bring Legacy in and we about to talk Iron Fist season two. Daredevil season three comes out October nineteenth. Daredevil is my overall favorite Marvel on Netflix series. And with the way the Defenders ended, I'm so hyped to see what Daredevil goes through throughout his next season. Um, so that's it for all of that. I think I covered everything I wanted to as far as movies go. And, you know, t- take take a quick breath. Cause we coming right back and we talking Iron Fist season two with my boy L E G A C Y man. And we're back, man. We uh did a little bit of a little bit of topics. Gave y'all the intro. Episode five. Got my dog Legacy with me. We about to talk some uh Iron Fist season two. It's not technically movies, but it is in the visual entertainment spectrum. And um I love this whole Marvel Netflix world, man. A lot of people was down on Iron Fist Season 1, which led into the Defenders. Iron Fist Season 2 come out. And, you know, the the majority of the cast is the same. Uh, Finn Jones is Danny Rand. Jessica Henwick, Colleen Wing. Um, what's his name? Tom Pelfrey is Ward. Mm-hmm. Jessica Stroop is Joy. 
Sasha Dewan, I think that's how you say his name, comes back as Davos. And then, um, am I forgetting any main cast? No, that's pretty much it. That covers it. Okay, with Simone Missick is Misty Knight. Alice Eve is a a mysterious chick named Mary. And um, I think think we both agree this season is better than season one, right? Yeah, um, season two is not better than season one. You don't think so? I think I said I said season two is is not not you know better like it's way better. Okay, okay. I think that yeah, season one is. But, um, you, yeah. but we gotta let the viewers and the listeners know. You want to do spoilers? You just know just no restraints. Just talk. I mean, it's been it's been what a couple weeks now, right? Yeah, it's been two weeks. Yeah, we, spoilers. All right, baby. If, yeah. if you if you on the audio only, if you on YouTube, and you haven't watched Iron Fist. Jump to the next segment. YouTube, you know I put the timestamps. Whether you want audio, you just gonna have to fast forward because we ain't holding nothing back. We ain't gonna go into depth on every single episode, but yeah, it, 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 spoilers are ahead. This is your warning right now. So at the end of the Defenders, we all know Matt Mur- Matt Murdock whispered into Danny's ear, "Take care of my city, protect my city, hold me down." So he kind of he kind of becomes obsessed with that, right? And yeah. he, he gets consumed by the power of the Iron Fist. And he loses control. He's got this little bunker that he uh that he goes and like practices when like that's what he tells Colleen like about halfway through. When I couldn't find anybody to fight, when I couldn't find a reason to use the fist, I would just come down and I would just just come down here and punch things. And like what was it like at the end of episode two, I was just like, Man, what what is this? What's the significance of this room? Yeah. And then um it's kind of like that's kind of is like what is the main pressure between the relationship between Danny and Colleen, his kind of obsession with uh, with using the fist and trying to protect New York and um, Davos shows up. Cause that's my thing. Since we doing spoilers, Davos shows up on some on some little kid stuff. So I I should have won. I should be the rightful. Holder of the Iron Fist. I ain't even gonna try to do no Davos impression because I I butcher that. And then, and then my thing was like I did a little YouTube video last night. It was spoiler free, so I didn't say it there. But Davos and Joy are rocking with each other. Joy is also, in my opinion, on some little kid stuff. Danny did this, Ward did this, and it ruined my life. So I'm gonna get with Davos because he got the same kind of intentions. And from from episode one, like I was like, okay, Joy is in way over her head. She come in stunting. She got a little haircut, got a new crib, you know, kind kind of like getting getting her sexy on a little bit. But it's like Joy, you're not a villain. Like, ever since like you were so floored that that your uh, your dad is still alive, you're not a bad guy. Yeah. What what you think about the Joy and, and Davos teaming up? With the Netflix, you know, series, the Marvel, you know, shows or whatever, I felt like what Marvel would do is they would they would make the mistake of trying to tell too many people's stories in a season, which would draw out the episodes, right? Yeah. I thought what that did, them teaming them up, what that did was it allowed Marvel to use both characters, get both characters' stories out, while 
being able to have them connected. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have Joy and what her following was and three episodes of that. And then Davos, you know, three episodes of him. Like it was, they were put together. So it was like, it flew better. It, it flowed better. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It flowed better because they were teamed up rather than, you know, individuals. Yeah. Between Gal, Bakudo, and then their dad, uh, Harold Meacham, there was low key like three villains in season one. Mm. And then this one too, though. This one too. I don't think, I don't think Mary was necessarily a villain, not yet. I feel like I feel like I don't feel like she was a villain per se, as in like she was just completely bad and she wanted to you know kill Iron Fist. But I felt like like because she played both sides yeah exactly you didn't never know which version of her you were getting so because of that iron fist could come in the scene being friendly with her and she was you know the villain in that scene yeah because because they played off of that because because we 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 doing spoilers hold nothing back alice eve plays this chick named mary who has ties to sokovia i can only it obviously before age of ultron and and the whole country got destroyed and she is some uh james mcavoy in split uh multiple personality type and it they don't really like and the big reveal is that she has a third personality that she doesn't even know about and i think that is going to be typhoid mary who the character is supposed to be and i think she could come back in season three and really do damage. You yeah. trying trying yeah. to do this without cursing is so hard. And because <laughs> uh, I I wanted to I wanted to say you know f word and s word, but I'm getting off getting off topic. And then about what was like episode five or six, Davos gets the fist from Danny, right? Yeah. And, and then yeah. could these tattoo chicks and this this bowl. And there's all these like ancient pieces that are mandatory for the transfer to actually go down. And like I said on the YouTube video, the dope thing about Davos is that he feels like he's right. And he thinks he's doing good. But then you see him kill the restaurant owner. You see him kill the little kid gang member, which I thought them little kids was pointless throughout the whole season. And then it was just like other characters for Colleen to, to care about because she was going through her struggle that she didn't want to be in the streets like that no more. Like the the events of the Defenders really impacted Colleen. And um, she gets this box that's like tied to her, her origin and she goes to investigate all of that, which ends up being tied into uh, like the, 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 the old, the old Asian dude who was, Messing with Mariah at the end of last season of Luke Cage, he's in the mix with with the docs and and the importing yeah. of the drugs, and he helps Davos get this old old Iron Fist corpse that is also important to the transfer of the power, and um I forget where I was going with it. Oh, I forgot where I was going with it, but. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's what I, where I was going. Misty comes in because of all of that. And then Misty is in, like, episode three for the rest of the season. And, like, Misty, like I said on the YouTube video, too, like, I put Misty up there with the most badass characters in all of the Marvel Netflix world with Matt Murdock and Jessica Jones. 
Like Misty was a real dope addition to this season. Mm. There, um, if if you haven't known, like if you haven't noticed though, Misty is more and more becoming the glue of the series. She's taking over for Claire. For Rosario, like Rosario is, you know, she getting phased out. Rosario, we've seen her less and less. You know what I mean? And Misty has become like a big part, like. She's being more connected. Like she, if she shows up in the next Punisher, or she I was about to say next, that. You know what I mean? If she does that, she's taking the place of you know what I mean. I was Rosario's. about to. I was about to say that it would be yeah. it would be stupid dope to piggyback off your point. It would be real real dope if by whatever reason you know the Punisher takes place in New York too, but not necessarily Hell's Kitchen or Harlem or or uh, Chinatown. If whatever the Punisher gets mixed in next season. Nandi is like FBI high up there, but what if for whatever reason Misty Knight gets brought in on that case? That would be too dope. That would be too dope. Yeah, and because because they're trying to get her to take the um commissioner job. Yeah, you know, she could very well be called into anything. I don't remember. I don't remember if she told Colleen if she was gonna take it. Well, you know, she told when her and Colleen, who, let, for real, let me say this before we continue with that. The Colleen um, Misty connection, the, the, you know, them two together. Daughters of the Dragon. On, on, it's, it's, it's incredible. They bounce off each yeah. other well. You know, I mean, they have two different personalities. You know, and Misty's more strong, Colleen's more support. Yeah, like they're both like they're dope together. But they teased it. But they teased it in Luke Cage with that with that fight in the bar. Like their chemistry is dope. Their chemistry is super dope. But, like, so what I'm saying with that is that um, when Misty was talking to Colleen and she was trying to persuade her that she should be the one with the with the um, Iron Fist, like, they kind of did like that. They both they both had that moment where she was like, if anybody should have the Iron Fist, it should be you. Yeah. And then Colleen kind of gave her, well, if anybody should be the commissioner, it should be you. And then um, I feel like, you know, it was like, like a touche moment. I feel like she is going to take the job specifically based off of that. You know and and then she can I interweave she in between all the shows. Yeah. Plus, that's just that's just perfect setup for um, Luke Cage, who is right now the um, in charge of that club. Yeah. She's not really liking that. Yeah. So it's the perfect setup for her being the lead, you know, and then and having to deal with Luke. So that's, you know. That's another that's thing, too. Really I'm going to echo a lot of what I said on YouTube, man. But, like, I think it's insane to me that, that Netflix hasn't ordered a Luke Cage season three yet. Yeah, they will. It's coming. Oh, yeah, it's I feel like they will. <laughs> Just like like Daredevil. Um, Daredevil got up too much. Yeah. Hell, yeah. up too much with, um, with um, Mariah's daughter. You know what I mean? And then they set up Misty yeah. with the new arm coming back to be commissioner. They set up too much for that. You know what I mean? So... I think That's with coming. with Daredevil already being announced to come out next month, they uh they need to like I heard that there's no plans for another Defender season, but I think I, it's a disservice, man, to the fans, to the actors, to the characters within the world. I think Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Colleen, Danny, like everybody deserves to know that Matt Murdock is okay, even if in in TV time, even if it's been like a year and a half or so, like. Okay, Matt Murdock's alive. He he's out there in his old suit. Did you see the trailer? Yeah, but it, I mean, I think I, I but Matt Matt Murdock, Daredevil is one of those characters though 
that when he comes back, everybody gonna know he's back. I hope so. You know what I mean? I, I mean, like, Daredevil's my overall favorite series that they're doing, man. I can't, I can't wait to see the impact. That, listen, season three of of that is gonna be crazy. Like, I think he's gonna, they're gonna know he's back. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, they're gonna know he's back. But like, um, the build up for for that. The, the the thing is, I think Marvel's issue right now with the whole announcing thing is that they're they're also trying to bring up their streaming service. Yeah, true that. So, so I don't so and and they have this whole moving away from Netflix thing going on. So I think they're still caught like they're I think they're on hold. Like, okay, so do we move the Marvel Netflix shows too, or do we move them to the you know do we from now on, put them on the Marvel streaming. You know what I mean? I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Thing. I'm pretty confident it's already been confirmed that the ne- the Marvel Netflix shows will stay on Netflix. But uh, we got we got off topic for a little bit. We'll bring it back yeah. to, uh, uh, I don't know, I'm going to just jump in to, to Mary. Because there's, t- there's a couple times with or without the fist that Danny gets the business. Like uh, Mary, Mary, Mary gave Danny the hands. On on the train station when it when when they was on the train platform, Danny got worked, and that's what led yeah. to Davos obtaining the fist in the first place. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I felt like I felt like the train station thing. I felt like she she would have lost to she would have lost the Iron Fist. She would have lost to Danny. But she caught him off guard, yeah. and he didn't know if she was good or bad at the time. Exactly. And then and the one time that he used the fish that should have worked, she kind of hid behind that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it was more of a caught him off guard. But she she is tough though. She's yeah. tough. Like you know. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Like, like she's tough. her when she hair down, like lighter voice. You know, she you know she's sweet character, and that's who Danny thought was approaching him. But when her hair is pulled back and she got the hoodie on. Oh, she she about to do work, and that's who that's who caught him, and then yeah, like she knew exactly how to counter the fist. Like she, you know, what I'm saying she was a PI. She had studied him, so she knew exactly what to do when he was coming. And then um, and then that she she gets mixed in with with Joy and Davos, and then Ward. And I want to touch a little bit on on Ward because he's like the the one character we really haven't spoke on. Hands down, my least favorite character from season one, and. He tries. He tries to you know improve himself, you know going to meetings, admitting his faults, trying to bury the hatchet. Like he knows that he did Joy dirty, and then he's a little more likable in this season. But he's still my least favorite character on the whole show. Yeah. Um. I um. I didn't like. Him. I didn't dislike him as much on this season. Yeah. Um. Like. Um, I hated him before. I really yeah. did. I hated him before. No doubt. You know, uh, this season, I felt like as as the the actor did better with the character yeah. this season. I felt that. The second thing is, um, I liked the whole new direction, but I didn't like the whole, whole him and Joy switching places thing. I didn't really like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like before, Joy was kind of like the wanted everybody to like her. The naive, yeah. You know character and and then he was more like how she was this year i mean this douche and vice versa i I didn't like that you know what i mean like it's like okay like yeah but but i felt like um i felt like 
they gave him room to grow. I felt like as the character he was before, definitely he couldn't grow. That he was just an asshole. Yeah, you know what I mean. Now, like the the way the season ended with him, you know what I mean. Like I felt like they gave him, a, you know, reason to grow. Yeah, he was there for Danny a lot more, and and Joy was standoffish, like villainy and having you know being I, I don't know like the character of joy just isn't suited to be unlikable yeah. she's got to be the one she's got to be the one on the outside looking in that doesn't quite understand the whole aspect of what's going on mm-hmm. there's a big part of season two that we discussed yet though what's up yeah i, I knew i was forgetting some Davos did push joy off that thing and she survived that yeah she bled all the way out. She was dead. She was dead. And she came back. And, you know, that was kind of like a similar thing with her dad. You know what I mean? So, what? What you trying to say? Because it's, it's, like, it's not like any of his blood went into her last season. It's not like that shit is genetic. No, I'm saying, I think, I think there's something with her. Like, I think there's, I think... I think there's something about Joy we don't know. Duh, there's no way she survives that fall, man. I thought that like the only reason he came back was because of the hand. And huh, do you think that we but getting he into had injections though? We getting into speculation and fan theory a little bit. But do you think when she got shot that maybe there like there was an unspoken blood transfusion, and then maybe that's why she's a little more aggressive this season. And if she if she survived that fall, she's gonna come back even worse, like like their dad did. Yeah, that's, but that's what I'm saying is like I think there's something with Joy, like like nobody I, I haven't seen anybody discuss this yet. But honestly, when he pushes her off that thing, she doesn't survive that fall, dude. Her neck was all crooked, like she was like laid there all crooked. She bled all the way out, and then but you, but then you saw it the next scene. She was kind of like, like putting herself back together, like. like I ain't even weird. catch this. I ain't even catch it like that. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if nothing else, you might want to just go back and watch that episode. Yeah. Because she falls, and I'm like, yeah, she's dead. And the camera, they show her when she hits the ground. They show her she's dead. She's done. And then it goes to other stuff. And then when it goes back, she wakes up. But she was wake. She woke up the same exact way her dad would when he got killed like when he would die yeah and you know he would wake up like where like what happened or whatever yeah she woke up that same exact way and then she kind of like picked herself up like un- like not believing she was alive or whatever and dude she she was done Damn. so I, I feel like i don't know if it's a genetic thing but maybe a mutual thing family or whatever or maybe she maybe we're gonna find out in the future that she took those injections or something her dad gave her something or whatever because there's no way she survives that man and then the very next scene the very next scene she's not dealing with any of the issues from that she's like she's got some crutches for her leg yeah like she healed like it was nothing you right i think another thing a big complaint about season one was the lack of the mask and like the the traditional iron fist look they 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 touch on that a little in flashbacks. I think like what, the little thing that Danny covers his mouth with with is like maybe a new and improved version. 
Um, but the flashbacks, the like, the main thing about this season I didn't care about was Davos flashbacks. Like when they was fighting for the right to fight the dragon, that was dope. But then when when Davos was like vowing to bring Danny back to Kunlun, I didn't care. But they show like when they're fighting to to when Davos and Danny are fighting for the right to fight the dragon, they have the traditional Iron Fist bandana thing on. I thought that was dope. I want Danny to eventually like incorporate that into season three. But um, anything else you want to touch on before I jump into the end? How everything wrapped up? Um, I I like the I kind of like the backstory. The reason is because um, you can see like that Danny was never supposed to be the Iron Fist. Yeah. Like, when you watch it, like when you watch the fight, his mom, like Dabo's mom, was there, like you know, rooting for her son, which any mom would, but it was kind of like a thing where they all was there watching Davos beat Danny. Yeah. Like, they were there specifically for that. Like, they, Danny was not supposed to have a shot. And um, there was a point at that in that fight where Danny was supposed to kill Davos. Like, he could have. Like, he was yeah. going to. And they stopped him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they stopped him. So, you know what I mean? It's like, Davos argument of, I was supposed to be the next Iron Fist, he it was his blood like he was supposed to you know what I mean Danny you know yeah. took it from him yeah. but so I felt like that was a good way to understand why Davos felt the way he did you know what I mean like, yeah. so I thought that was cool I thought that um, I thought that like the like, like how they continuously um, let Davos like I didn't like the whole like somebody could persuade Davos to do something and then he would do it and just go crazy the next scene. Like I didn't like that. I thought yeah. that was like weird. I feel like you. I was like, you know, as a as a villain, just let him believe what he believed and run with that. Like yeah. why he keep getting re persuaded to other things. Like I didn't like that. That's my thing about Davos, man. He's so contained and he doesn't let himself feel emotion. So he's low key like a dull character. He's one of my least favorite villains in the whole universe. But and then Danny gets a little overwhelmed with getting the fist back, and he he wants to understand the fist more before he gets it back. So he takes he talks Colleen into into taking the fist. So when they capture Davos and they do the whole ritual again, she you know it takes it takes a little bit of getting her talked into it. But she, Colleen eventually takes the fist, and I'm not hardcore into the comics. You know more than me, and you say that Colleen eventually carries the fist in the comics. Yeah, well, Colleen's ancestor, like in the comics, there's one female Iron Fist. You know what I mean? And that's that's gonna tie and, into the and box and everything. Yeah, and um, and I feel like what Marvel did, which they do a really good job of, is they're not gonna give you every exact character the way it is. Yeah. But they can take that and say, you know what, we can put our own twist on this. So I thought it was cool that. They, you know, they said, okay, there was one female Iron Fist. They're obviously not going to show us the retro version of her, yeah. but they're going to give us the present day version of it. And I don't think Colleen is going to be the Iron Fist for long. I don't, which I think is a dope. Like I think it's dope that they're giving it to her for now. Danny's going to figure it out. He's going to be even stronger when he comes back. And then Colleen is not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's kind of cool. I think it's dope that they're doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And then. I like it. One one once she obtains the fist, Danny Danny hops on a plane and they do a little time jump. Him and Ward are like chasing 
a book or some records. I forget exactly what they're chasing, like the uh, the um, like the the shipping list from the docks or something. They're looking for like one specific mm-hmm. person who has like the the cheat code for the Iron Fist. And yeah. in the time jump, they're in this bar. He pulls out these guns and he channels his chi. This is how you explained it to me, right? He channels his chi into bullets that come out of the guns. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but it's whatever. I'm hyped for a season three. And um, I think the po- there's like a post-credit trailer for Daredevil season three after that. Yeah. Um, I want to say, like, okay, with, uh, with um, Danny, you know, I want to say that Danny even without the Iron Fist, in two different fights, held his own against Davos. Yeah. With the Iron Fist. With yeah. two Iron Fists, actually. Davos had two Iron Fists. Yeah, that was and, dope. Um, Danny, Danny didn't have the Iron Fist, and he held his own both times with Davos, which proves, you know what I mean, that he is, you know what I mean, skilled. Worthy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, even without the Iron Fist, he could hold his, he, he was, he was better than Davos. Because yeah, like it's it's enhanced now. Like Colleen, a rookie with the fist, she could channel her chi all the way up into her katana. And like I said, Danny was channeling it through through the guns, through the pistols. So like the Iron Fist, like in future seasons, if we get more defenders, if he pops up in other shows, Iron Fist three, like it's gonna it's gonna be dope. Like the future of Iron Fist is real dope. But um, well, that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of out of five, what would you give this season? I give the season. Like, first of all, let me say this: I give season one a, like a one, a one like, out a of two, five, maybe. like a two maybe. Like yeah, like I, I really think I would give it a like two and a half. Uh, all right, season two, I give it a three point five, borderline four. Yeah, and I'm gonna say this. I'm saying that because of this. In the beginning of season two. In the first five episodes or whatever, I felt myself being borderline. I'm not, you know, Word. in the like in the first five episodes. Or so I'm watching the episodes and I'm not like pulled in. Like if I want to yeah. drink, I just want to guy. Yeah, you know what like, I mean, like Luke Cage came on, Bushmaster showed up, we was hooked. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it was one of those things where, but I will say when it picked up though, like in the second half. I, I like that they went to ten episodes instead of the more. I like that. I do. Like I don't. That. I like that. Um, maybe, maybe I just like. I I probably wouldn't like it as much for Daredevil or yeah. for Luke Cage or, or for Jessica Jones even. I probably wouldn't like it as much. For this, for Iron Fist, I like the ten episodes because I feel like season one dragged. You know what I mean? I feel and that because this one, and because this one began dragging like in the beginning of the season the first five episodes of the season i was kind of like all right man what what we doing like are we gonna what we doing it wasn't even that many fights that were great it was like okay you know yeah the second half the second half it started to pick up and i was like okay i'm intrigued yeah i really 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 liked how the season ended i get it because of how the season ended it it moved it up for me i'm with you i'm with you three and a half Three and a half out of five different reasons. Out of like, I sent you my rankings as soon as I was done. Iron Fist is still my least favorite series, but I still enjoy it to an extent. I thought that, yeah, like once the action picked up, man, the choreography was dope. It got me interested in the future of this world, of course. 
and like yeah like like I, I said that on YouTube too like I just I don't like the episode count like I don't because cause fan backlash was so strong after season one I think Netflix should have stuck to their guns but I think I think three more episodes would have been filler so I'm torn um any any social medias you want to plug anything else you want to say before last minute before we get out of here Red League. I'm plugging Red League. I'm gonna, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. That's what's up. That's what we all are. That's all of us, right? Hell yeah. If you've been listening to every episode, man, you already know my dog Legacy is a Red League regular. So, um, that's what it is. We gonna we gonna go a little little thirty second hiatus right quick. I'm gonna get a quick nap in. I'm gonna come back. Sports. My dog Roberto. He gonna talk about some some major league baseball playoffs. He gonna predict the NHL upcoming season. Man, uh, stay tuned. Take two. And we're back, man. We had that uh, Iron Fist season two recap with my dog Legacy, man. I hope that y'all enjoyed that. But now it's time for sports and. Um, I got my dog, Roberto, because he going to come in here, because between now and the next show, the NHL season starts, the MLB playoffs start, so I don't know nothing about either one of them sports, so he about to take some time, and um, your preference, man, start with whatever sport you want, and uh, just kick it off. Alright, I'm going to kick it off with baseball, because... The hunt for October, I don't think has ever been hotter than it is this year. You have your two wild card teams, which arguably is going to be detrimentally sad because both Oakland and either Milwaukee or St. Louis is going to miss out. And both of those teams could easily win a World Series. So let's see. Your division winners in each conference, the AO, will be your Boston Red Sox, Houston Astros, and Cleveland Indians. New York's looking like it's going to take that wild card, but Oakland is still in it, and it's going to be it's going to be tough for New York. Oakland isn't just going to let just going to hand it over to New York. AL predictions. It's it's tough for me to go against my boys in Houston, but. I've got to give it to Boston to be the AL champions. And for the National League, I think Chicago's probably going to run through my Braves, as you can see, and Milwaukee, and the Dodgers. Either one of those teams, I'm pretty sure they play the wild card, so it'll probably be Milwaukee. They will run through them, and they'll be your National League champions. Predictions on the awards. Now, this this is where it's going to be interesting. I actually have Jacob deGrom, a pitcher. Nobody ever votes pitchers, hardly ever at MVPs, but it's, it's like, hard now to... It's hard to vote against Jacob deGrom here because in his 31 starts, he has a... His, his record is... It's not... You look at his record, and it's just sad. Actually, he's a nine and nine, meaning nine wins, nine losses. But his ERA, the most important stat for a pitcher, is 1.77. That means in his 31 starts, he gives up one run in every start. 
if you're starting 30 games and you've only given up one run each time you started, that's that's an incredible stat. That is, those are like, those are record-breaking numbers. Actually, he's the first pitcher. He lowered it actually. I don't know if it's 1.77 now, but I think yesterday he might have even lowered it. He only gave up one run again. The sad truth with Jacob Degrom and why I don't think he'll win it is that his record, his nine and nine record, it's it's pretty sad. His team around him just has not been able to give him wins. And even in some cases, he had to be the one. Pitchers, pitchers are terrible hitters, and Jacob Degrom has sometimes had to be the one to bring in a run so he can get that win. That hit hits against teams. His batting average is pretty impressive for a pitcher too. Who do I think is going to win it? It's going to be Christian Yelich from the Milwaukee Brewers. He's got a 320 batting average right now, a 6.1 win above average, wins above replacement average, and he's hit for two cycles. For casual viewers who don't know what baseball is, a cycle is when you complete a single, a double, a triple, and a home run in one game. And he's done that twice this year already. Granted, they were against the Cincinnati Reds. It's like it's like scoring six touchdowns against the 2016 Browns. It's like it wasn't impressive, and you could see it happen, but it's still impressive in the fact that yo, you just scored six touchdowns. So two cycles against the Cincinnati Reds. I don't think uh, you know what? No, I think only one other person has hit two cycles in one season, and he's the only one to do it against one team. So. I'd have to say it'll probably go to Christian Yelich. My runner-up for that would be my homeboy, Freddie Freeman, Atlanta Braves. And it would be Nolan Arenado and Matt Carpenter. But look for either Christian Yelich or Jacob DeGrom. And in my opinion, in my utmost personal opinion, nobody in the NL right now deserves the MVP. Christian Yelich, while he's had a great season, he doesn't deserve it over Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom has seized every opportunity that he's had, and he's killed it every single time. Now we're going, going on to the AL. The AL, it's it's a lot. It's a easier race. It's, it's between two guys. It's Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. Mike Trout arguably is the LeBron James of Major League Baseball. He's you're gonna be he's gonna be your consistent. He's gonna be your best player every year every dominant every year in year out he's just dominant that's a name i've actually he's heard about, yeah he's uh, right now mike trout might be looking at a lifetime offer it's going to be the most expensive contract ever in the upcoming year it's going to be very interesting to see it he's right now you you, you would want to lock up mike trout for the rest of his career because this dude's going to be hitting 400 feet home runs when he's in his 40s that's just how dominant this guy is you don't want to play this guy but his team the los angeles angels they are not a good team they've gone after huge free agents otani the pitcher slash home run hitter arguably the next generation babe ruth and and when you have that guy on your team mike trout you have albert pujols uh a veteran I really feel like you should be a playoff team, but you're not a playoff team. So that really does take a hit on your MVP status in baseball, at least. So that's where Mookie Betts comes in. 
Mookie Betts is looking at basically second to everything Mike Trout in the AL. But Mookie Betts has been able to carry his team to the best record that Boston has had in years. Boston is a lock for the playoffs. Mookie Betts is hitting like 320-something batting average. He puts the NL MVP to shame. And this is my second runner-up to Mike Trout. But I don't think Mike Trout's going to take it this year because it's going to be very hard to give it to Mike Trout knowing he's going to miss the playoffs. All right, let's see. AL predictions. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to give it to I'd have to give it to Mookie. I, I, I like Mike Trout. I would want Mike Trout to play for my team for the rest of his career. That's <laughs> how much I like Mike Trout, but yeah. you can't give it you can't give it to him knowing he's gonna miss the playoffs while Mookie Betts is there day in, day out helping his team. Even when Mookie Betts doesn't play and Boston needs a run, I think even yesterday it happened, Boston was gonna lose. Mookie Betts had the day off, bases there was three on base. They put him in to pitch hit. He hits a three-run homer, puts them, gives them a win. Or oh, yeah. that was the day before. I know that that happened. That's how Mookie bets. He can just come into a game and he can change it like that. All right. Let's get into – yeah, let's get into hockey. All right. No transition. So, uh, did you did you give a World Series prediction? World Series prediction. That's the most important one. That's right. Important one. All right. All right. What I would love to see, this is this is my personal bias. I really want to see, so I could, so it can be like last year, the Dodgers and the Astros. I love both teams being a Mexican. Those are <laughs> most of the time the teams are going to root for. Yeah. I love the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves, it's a staple down here, Del Rio, Texas. It is. Uh, let me give you all a history lesson first before anything. Back in the day... People only had five channels. There was your WGN, your major networks, which are CBS, Fox, NBC, and TBS. So WGN owned, had the Cubs contract, and TBS had the Braves contract. So I think they they based out of each city. So you only had those two teams to watch. So naturally, you were either a Cubs fan or a Braves fan. My family, we all love the Braves. I love the Braves, watching them growing up. It was just awesome to see them every time. Back when they were dominant, they slipped off. They did slip off for a couple of years, but now they're back. So I would love to see Houston versus the Braves. But my heart clearly is wrong 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> so I, I'd have to say it's got to be the Cubs for sure in the NL. The AL is it's complicated. The AL, it can be Boston easily from their hitting but i don't know if they could beat houston in a series where houston has dominant pitchers dallas i mean dallas kukul and, and you got veterans like justin verlander i don't know if you can beat those guys in a series that's it's gonna be tough like everybody says like yeah you know golden state is the hottest team every year and year out but there's always that one surprise team where you think could Golden State beat them in a series? Could they just rain all over them like Houston this year? It's it's a big give or take on who can win the series. That's that's how the AL is going to fall. And because, I don't know, sometimes Houston pitching is iffy, but you got hitters like Jose Altuve, Guriel, Bregman having an MVP-like year, 
he's not there yet, but next year, years to come, Bregman might be there. George Springer, your finals MVP last year. Air time, so it's going to be a shootout for the AL, and I I want to give it. I'm going to give it to Houston on pitching because Houston relatively does have the better pitcher. It just depends on how much Boston will use Craig Kimball, the closer. This guy is the closer, the staple of modern pitching closer. You want to get the easy outs, he's your easy outs. Craig Kimbrell is an amazing closer. Okay. You, you so, transition to NHL? Houston, Chicago, and I would give I'd give it to the AL. For sure, if Houston doesn't make it and Boston does, for sure it's going to be the AL, and it'll be either Boston or Houston versus Chicago, and Boston or Houston will win the World Series. All right. I mean, Boston, Boston or Houston will win the World Series. So, uh, NHL, uh, give me your playoff teams in each conference. Same thing, an MVP pick, and then a Stanley Cup. Ooh, let's see. NHL is it's 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 difficult for me to gauge now because only like four teams miss out in the NHL uh, playoffs. So that's that's like eight or nine teams that I'd have to list. But your golden, I'll give you your locks for the playoffs. We'll go there. Your Western Conference, I think it's going to be Nashville on top, Winnipeg. Your, let's see, I, I want I'm going to throw LA in there, San Jose because they just got Eric Carlson, the greatest defenseman of this modern era, on top of Brent Burns. So I'll give them I'll give them benefit of the doubt. St. Louis, that's five. Minnesota. Uh, let's see. My last two teams. Who would be my wild card picks? I want to say the Dallas Stars will make a wild card. I, um, I'll give them the benefit of that doubt. They'll make a wild card, and who would take up the last wild card? Uh, I'll give Vegas. I, I think Vegas will make it again. I don't think Vegas is going to be as dominant as they were, but. Vegas should be playing for a playoff spot. They just got Max Pacioretty, the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, so they're definitely better than they were years ago. I mean, last year. Now, my Eastern Conference predictions are, let's see, Washington, Pittsburgh. I can't throw New York in there anymore because they just lost John Tavares. So, Boston... Maple Leafs are an easy lock. They just got John Tavares. He's one of the best centers in the league. And they already had a great center core to begin with. So that'll Maple Leafs will make it easy. Let's see. Calgary will make it. And who is my bottom card teams? The Eastern Conference is a lot more difficult to gauge because there's a lot more... Lots. There's a lot of lower tier teams in the East than there is the West. Um, I don't know. I can't. I don't think I can give you the last bottom three teams of the Eastern Conference this year, just on from how the Eastern, the bottom Eastern teams are playing in the preseason. I don't like to jump on the bandwagon of oh they're going to be playoff teams from how they're playing, but they're definitely playing better than they should be. I don't want to throw Buffalo in there just yet. Buffalo has been god awful the last couple years <laughs> but they they're coming off of getting the number one draft pick Rasmus Dahlin who 
is a generational talent. He's going to be the next Eric Carlson, the next best defenseman in the league. And I don't, I'm not going to gauge his talent yet because he's a rookie, but he's definitely got that number one talent pick. He's, he's just, he's an amazing player. Playoffs pictures. Okay. Let's see. I think the winners of the NL, I mean, not the NL, the Western Conference, the Western Conference will be the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets won it. No, they didn't. Vegas beat Winnipeg this year. But Winnipeg was on the tough end of a really bad schedule. Winnipeg was already so burnt in the playoffs by the time they played Vegas. It's like Vegas just took advantage and ran right over them. It was it's pretty. It was really hard to watch, watching how hard Winnipeg fought and for it to end like that. I'll give the Western Conference to Winnipeg, and then the Eastern Conference... Uh, I'm probably gonna have to say the. Uh, I can't give it to Pittsburgh. I know Sidney Crosby's there. Sidney Crosby's just the goat in hockey. And I can't give it to Washington. I don't think. I don't think Washington can back to back this year. I, I'm probably gonna have to say that it's gonna be the Leafs, the, the the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Winnipeg Jets. And I think the Winnipeg Jets could win their title this year. Okay. So let's see your Art Ross winner. It your Art Ross. There's no, well, there is an MVP, but the MVP is a lot more overshadowed in hockey than it is in other leagues over the Art Ross trophy. Your Art Ross trophy is your points trophy. Whoever gets the most points, whether it be by assists, by point, by goals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Your Art Ross trophy has been back to back this uh, these last two years by Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid's a generational talent. And if you want my personal opinion, I think he's wasting his career away in Edmonton. Edmonton has just been so, so... They they can't build a team around Connor McDavid, and it's... This dude's putting up 100 points every year, arguably by him with very little help from others. And he's just wasting his career away. But I think he will win the Ross Trophy for a third time because it's you just can't not give it to him. The way he, he skates, he's ridiculously fast. He's got an amazing shot. He's like the next generation Sidney Crosby. He's gonna be. He might even surpass Sidney Crosby. This guy has Wayne Gretzky. He's got Wayne Gretzky's records in his sights easily. Damn. In his. Rookie, no, he was he was in the conversation to win the Art Ross Trophy in his rookie season before an injury took him out. But in his second and third seasons, he's won the Art Ross Trophy. If he can win it a third time, then he's easily got Wayne Gretzky in his sights. Easily. All right. That is, that is no easy feat there. But I'm pretty sure that's all I've got to say for now. All right, so. man. Well, uh... You just talked a whole bunch of Chinese to me because I didn't understand nothing you said regarding either sport. But hopefully I got viewers and or listeners out there that did appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you coming in. I think either I don't, maybe before the World Series, maybe before baseball comes back, and then again, then you're probably going to do back-to-back episodes if you're down because, you know, I do the, the bi-weekly show and then baseball going to come back and then hockey playoffs is going to start, like, right around the same time, if I'm not mistaken. 
So, um, yeah. as I as I ask everybody that that, that jumps on the show, you got any uh, social media that you want to plug so the kids can find you? Uh, I don't. I I don't want. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know those. Uh, they they search out your tweets. They come attack you. I don't know what what I have posted over my nine or ten years of having Twitter. <laughs> All right. Not right now. It's, not it's, right it, now. it's all good, man. Um, when we get back, I'm gonna have my dog Nappy Newt on here, and he gonna talk about everything he's doing in the indie music scene, man. All right. And we are back, man. I told y'all hip hop was coming. I told y'all my dog old man Lawrence was coming back. And we about to talk about this uh, new Bun B album, Return of the Trill. It's his first album in five years, and uh, Bun ain't lost a step. It's uh, 14 tracks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven tracks produced by Big Crit. Producer extraordinaire. Yeah, man. Um... Endless features, man. T.I., Crit, Slim Thug, Run the Jewels, Lil Wayne, 2 Chains, A-Ball, MJG, Pimp C. Um, I don't know. I don't think we ain't going to do like that Eminem. We ain't going to do like that Eminem and go track for track. I guess I'll start off and name a couple of my favorite tracks, man. Um, let's go with Blood on the Dash. That's my favorite track on the whole album. Blood on the Dash is stupid, dope. Uh, I like what what him and Lil Wayne did on Rude Boy, and then um, the Run the Jewels feature myself. <laughs> the, the 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 track with Pimp C, the the use a bitch, the message is there, but the track title is crazy. What's was uh? Yeah, that's dope. What's some of your a favorites? Bunch of bunch of stuff, a bunch of different stuff in that song, uh, circumstances or whatever. And he's like, "You a bitch." Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I gotta, I gotta say, Blood of the Dash by the illest track on here. I agree with you on that. But uh, like we were talking about earlier, this, I, first time I spun this album, the first couple of tracks, I really wasn't feeling it. But uh, I've listened to this album maybe maybe seven times now, and I, I pretty much like every track on this album now. Uh, stand yeah. out. The first thing that stood out to me was uh, Big Crit. You hear him on track number two, and then you hear him on another track, you hear him on another track, and it's like, hey, Big Crit is all over this. And like you said, he produced how many? Seven tracks? Seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't know that, but I mean, you could tell because it sounds like Big Crit has a heavy influence on his album. You know, he 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 grew up, you know, listening to Bum B or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, uh, Rude Boy is nice. Uh, grow up with A Ball MJG. Yeah, and Gone Away, Gone Away, the very last track that we talked about. Uh, MC, man, that's a really yeah. dope song. Man, I'm glad he got Leon Bridges on there. That shit, that, that song was just beautiful all together. But the the main thing from this album is like Bum B is one of my all time favorite rappers, man. His style, like his charisma, his swag, whatever yeah. you want to call it, he's just he's just a dope in my opinion. So it's nice when he when he, I didn't know this stuff was coming out. Honestly, I had no idea. Until, I think he told me like a week or two before, and I was like, "What?" I think. And then it, I had heard about it like a couple hours after the Eminem dropped. Somebody posted on Twitter or some. Oh, Bun B dropped too. Bet once I get through this Eminem, I'm on that Bun B. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Because Bum B is somebody we had, you know, growing up all throughout uh, high school. It's somebody we, we yeah back in the day. Wait. In the day, UGK That's during school, he went solo right after we graduated. Yeah, so we've been riding with uh, Bum B, UGK for a long time. Trill is one of the uh, most underrated yeah, albums of the past fifteen years. Yeah, really dope. Yeah, it's, it's just nice to hear something new from Bum B. And like I said, the more and more I listen to this, the more and more I like it. Uh, yeah, like Trap Pants. The first time I heard Trap, I was like, man, it, I was like, this is, this song is pretty much a miss. You know what I mean? Like club I track, yeah. Catchy. But now I start listening to his flow, and then the, then the, the uh, chorus comes in. The next thing you know, you're like clapping your hands and singing along, <laughs> hallelujah. You know what I mean? Like you get into it. It's, just, it's a really good song. Uh, this the track with Run the Jewels, man. Killer Mike killed that shit. Killed. I'm sorry. That was Killer Mike has a real dope verse on this. He's got Ti on it, like Slim Thug. Like I, I never was a big fan of Swisher House, but I always liked Slim Slim Thug's flow and his delivery. Yeah. Slim Thug. His voice, his voice came on. And I was like, "Oh shit, I'm right back." In that shit, man. <laughs> so dope. But his album, his album is like a trip down memory lane for me in a lot of ways. Uh, it's got so many good features on it, man. So that's what's kind of dope about it. At first, I, I was looking, I was reading through all these features. I'm like, "Man, he's got a feature on every track." I usually don't like albums like yeah. that. But this one, like this, I thought that, I thought everybody on here fit with whatever track they were on. Talking about uh, just a minute ago, if my man. Ludacris would have blessed this album. Like that's the only thing that was missing. Man. Yeah, it was like a Ludacris. If Ludacris was on this, it would have been perfect. No doubt. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He sound perfect. Like not to take away from Two Chains, not to take away from um, from Yo Gotti, but I think I think Luda would, would have been perfect on Trap Hands. And then uh, yeah, Luda, I, Luda should be on here. Like we were saying, we said in earlier reviews this year. I don't remember exactly what. Maybe that Logic. Maybe that uh, Prime Two. But Two Chains come with another solid feature. Yeah. UGK yeah. for life. Yeah. Well, I missed the plane to Gangster Paradise. I'll be trying to do impressions. I don't sound nothing like Two Chains. Um, man, I had something else in mind, man. Yeah, Slim Thug. Slim Thug got that delivery, man. Like he really didn't say nothing yeah. that, that blew you away, but it was some still some dope. Like everything fits perfect for what Bun was going for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a it's a, it's a good. It's just what you. You know what I mean? Like he's get he's getting up there in age, obviously, but yeah. I mean he's not rapping about nothing too too crazy where you're not gonna believe like like somebody his age is rapping about. You know what I mean? Like he's rapping about you know smoking a blunt, chilling out, like. I'm over here trying to relax and you're over here all hyper and shit like calm down <laughs> the shit he's talking about is relevant for somebody his age you know what I mean yeah. just, this whole album you can just vibe with it you know what it's you're like getting you into blood with Blood on the Dash is like the, Blood on the Dash is like one of the first tracks that he like tells a story on or whatever and that's like that's like you know we've all been there yeah. you know I mean like he, shit cops pull behind you like oh shit <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a that's a real dope story right there. Real dope track. And it was probably stand out track on there. Tr- track number one, man, Killer uh, Killer Cleon. I don't know how to pronounce my dude's name, but he said he said put the metal to your what do you put the metal to your lip like a lip ring or put the metal to your mouth like a lip ring. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, it's, a, it's 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 a lot of good songs in this album, man. And I was I was pleasantly surprised. Like I said, the first time I got to do it, the first couple tracks, I was like, I don't know about these, but. Hell, I'm, I'm throwing this on to the gym now, and I'm, I'm like riding out to the whole album. Yeah. I, especially the second half of the album, man. Like, he, he kind of, like, right around where uh, Slow It Down comes on, I, I, everything from that point on, I think I think all those tracks are real solid. Yeah. Even the dude, the, the, uh, what's his name, Gi
It took me a couple of spins, but yeah, I even dig his feature too. Um, yeah, and the, the Pimp C sample on You a Bitch, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's really dope, man. Pimp C coming to start off the album. This trill way of life is a part of me like an artery. Even that yeah, right man. there. Man, it's a real dope album. Yeah. So I, I, this is kind of what I expected from, from Bum B and where Bum B's at in his age and his career. Like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I expected. I mean, it didn't disappoint at all. Most definitely. Song. Um, 2018 has been crazy for music, man. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was going to go into, man. We cover cover productions, covered our favorite songs, covered the bars. Uh, since we ain't going track by track, these music segments are going to be a little faster now. And next episode, we're going to talk about that Lupe fiasco, that Droga's wave. And I think two i want to get i want to get me and you and legacy on it and he at least got a different viewpoint from what you got because i haven't completely listened to everything yet i heard like the first half or so and all i can say for now is it's better than drug was light um any any uh any uh final thoughts on your jerry springer ass right quick before we get up out of here nah i said the bump I said it's a, probably realistically about a three and a half out of five, but man, every part of me wants to get this like a four and a half, man, because I love it. It took me down memory lane. I felt like I was in high school again. Just it's front to back, it was a really good album, and I'm enjoying it. And I'm gonna keep on it. Like I said, I was I throw it on in the gym down here every day now. So I'm gonna ride with this for a few more weeks. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because for 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 my personal YouTube channel purposes, you know, I flipped that Eminem and put that on there, and I almost got out of here without giving it a rating. Yeah, but I'm I'm leaning towards a a four two, maybe like a three point seven five or so. But uh, yeah, like it's a real dope album. Like I don't think Blunt got a bad solo album. And, you know, UGK down there put out all classics. Um, yeah, it's, it's like it's like you said. Like it, there's nothing on here like lyrically that's gonna like blow you away. Like nothing you've never yeah. heard before. It's just classic Blunt beat. It's I don't know. I just thought it's a real solid album, man. From the back, I enjoyed every every track. It's good to hear Blunt beat again, man. So, man, that's episode five, man. Reg League Podcast, we in the can. And like I be saying, man, y'all know it's the Walmart of podcasts, man. Not exactly your first choice, but we got a little bit of everything here, man. So just chill until the next episode.